Wrapping up our October series, we've got one more Sunday in October, but the first four Sundays of October, we've been taking, joining in with a number of churches and, and campus ministries in Manhattan, part of the MHK prayer movement. And we've been looking at uh, the whole topic of prayer, not just talking about prayer, but trusting God to take us in our individual lives into a greater place of confidence before God in prayer, and also as a church. Uh, and, and really the honor that that is to approach God boldly and to hear from Him and to, to pray things that change the world all around us. And today we're going to look at something a little different. We're going to look at the prayer that Jesus prayed in His last extended time that He had. It was the night before He was crucified. And He knew what was coming. And He had this, this extended time of, of prayer with the Father. And if you think about when, when, it's your, when you know it's your, your time is running out, then that time is really valuable, and you want to make it count. I think about when I graduated from high school, a long time ago, and, but I, I remember high school graduation, and there was going to be like an all-night party after graduation, and we all knew that kids in our class were going to be spreading out literally all over the world after that night, and most of us would never see each other again, and I remember going into that, that last after-graduation party thinking, man, it was, it was a very melodramatic, melancholy midnight party because everyone was just, there were a lot of tears exchanged and trying to make, make the minutes count because you knew, like, we were probably not going to see most of these people ever again. Um, I know I was talking to Elizabeth a minute ago, and Sir Kirk, her husband, was de- deployed uh, yesterday, took off. And, and Leslie's over here, and Julian took off a couple weeks ago. And I think about like that last week before a significant others being deployed, just like wanting to make the time count as much as you can. And so we're looking at Jesus. His, the hours were, it was coming to an end. And he knew, man, I've only got a little bit of time. And he had this time where he spent the night praying to God. And the topic of his prayer is incredibly important because he was going to pick something really important. And we're going to talk about what that is um, what that is today. And so if you look with me at John chapter 17, and this, this whole chapter is really what's known as the high priestly prayer of Jesus. And we're just going to read a couple, a few verses of the, this that really sums it up. And then we're also going to look in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 uh, to elaborate on that. But in John 17 verse 11, Jesus prayed this. He said, I am, And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. The essence of Jesus' prayer this, this night before he died was asking that his followers would be one. That was what was of the utmost importance in his mind. And the, the level of oneness was not just kind of like a, a shallow, hey, they're, you know, they're, they're buds. But he said, may they be one just as you and I are one, Father. Now, if you think about that, that is a very high level prayer. That the same level of unity that Jesus had with the Father. He is asking that his followers would have that kind of unity with one another. That's, if it wasn't for God's enabling ability, that would be totally impossible to even think that could happen. Um, but it was a top priority. And you know, one of the core values of, 
of our church is that you can't do life alone. That to live the life that God has called us to, we can't do that on our own. We need other people in our life. But I was thinking about this. Sometimes we think of it like, okay, you need other people in your life to accomplish what God wants you to accomplish. And, you know, together everyone achieves more and we come together. And, and that's all true. But there's a sense of like, okay, we come together to accomplish a mission. But even beyond that, the mission of God is oneness. It's not just, hey, you come together to get something done, but it's the coming together that is near and dear to the heart of God. That when God made people, it was for relationship. He made us for relationship with Him and to relate to one another in the same way that God has always, the Trinity has always been a community in perfect harmony and fellowship with, one, with, with Himself. And that's what He invites us into. And, you know, this, even the MHK prayer movement as we're in, it's, it's, it's really, it's neat to me because it's, we've got 20 plus co- uh, churches and campus ministries that are agreeing together. And, and I, I, every two weeks, pray with pastors across Manhattan. And it's amazing to me the level of, of unity and people opening up their hearts and friendship and openness that there is in the Church of Manhattan. And we could, we could look at other examples as well. But oftentimes when people think about the church in the world, that's not what they think about. It's easy to see the lack of unity and the division and the, the brokenness that's present. As all too often, we haven't gotten this right. And you know, I've, I've often said this, but relationships are what we most want and what we're the worst at. It's, it's what we most want, and they're the stinking hardest things to live out. Is, is anyone else? I mean, isn't that true? It's like, yeah, relationships, that's great, except for the people that i got to be in relationship with. You know, it'd all be great if it wasn't for people. Um, and that's, that's our biggest challenge. And, you know, of course, we always think that it's the other people. It's, it's, it's not me that's like that to other people, but it's they're that way to me. But, you know, that's, that's part of the situation we find ourselves in. Uh, a good friend of mine, some of you know, Pastor Ray McCollum, he preached a message once called, Can James Bond? Uh, that's a brilliant title. Can James Bond? Because we want to bond, but the problem is James doesn't know how to bond. We, we got issues that keep us from building real, meaningful, united relationships with other people. Or the other people have issues that keep that from happening. Um, but that's, that is the, the million-dollar question, is can we bond? Can we come into that union, that oneness that Jesus desires for us? And the good news is, is we can, because Jesus prayed it, and his prayers are pretty effective. And so there, there is, this is what God has for us. And um, I want to look at, in 1 Corinthians 12, we're just going to flip over there, and we're going to come back. In 1 Corinthians 12, Jesus, uh, the Apostle Paul describes the church. He describes it as a, as a, a body. He says in Ephesians, or 1 Corinthians 12, 12, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. And again, we... we hear a description of this, this oneness, and yeah, the church is supposed to be a community, it's supposed to be a body that's one with many members, and there's something about that that's, that's very appealing to us, very attractive to us, 
It's very attractive to everybody. I was, earlier this week, I was, I, on Thursday morning, I was lifting weights with, with Tom at, over at the K-State Rec. And I happened to catch on one of the TVs, the, the ESPN, ESPN was on, and I just saw the line on the bottom. If, if you're not an NBA fan, if you don't know anything about basketball, um, Kevin Durant is one of the top players in, in basketball. And this summer, he was a free agent, so he could go anywhere he wanted, and he left Oklahoma City, and he went to Golden State, and signed with a team that was already loaded with talent that had just been to the finals the last two years and had won one of those years and set the record for wins last year. And Kevin Durant left his team to go to this team that's now incredibly loaded. And, you know, people are thinking, why would, you know, is that a good choice? Is, is that kind of, you know, why is that just like wanting to win the easy way? But the thing, the, the thing that scrolled across the bottom was Kevin Durant says about his relationship with Michael Westbrook, who was the other best player on the team he just left. He says, we were never that close. And so it was interesting that all these these sports pundits are spending an hour discussing the relationships of Kevin Durant and his old team and his new team, and what was it really like with Kevin Durant and Michael Westbrook. And I was like, you know, it's because we know that that's important. We know that it doesn't just matter like how many goals, how many baskets can you get through the, the bucket, but what is the chemistry in the relationship that was, that was really going on? And um, it, you know, there was all, all sorts of stuff written about it, but another thing that Kevin Durant, he, he, you know, they were kind of, kind of you know, taking the high, high ground about not saying too much, but he said, you know, the thing that attracted me to Golden State was not so much winning championships, although, you know, I think he's probably underestimated how important that was to him. But he said, when I hung out, when I saw these guys, it's not just on the court, but the way they chilled together. The way they hung out off the court. They're, they're a family. And they were, it, was, it was what they were doing. They were just like the way they relaxed together and enjoyed each other's company. That is what was the most appealing to me. It made me say, I want to be part of that team. And, you know, isn't that what we're all like, really? But we want to be a part of a group of people that you can chill and have a great time and enjoy unity together. What did I, okay, my son's, Russell, what did I say? Michael Westbrook, sorry. Russell Westbrook, yeah. <laughs> Got the Westbrook brothers confused there. <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> For those of you like my sons that missed everything else I said, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> about that. <laughs> so I tell the story again. All right, but there's, there's something so appealing, so that we, we want that. And, you know, go back to 1 Corinthians 12, verse, it goes on, and verse 13, it says, for in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free. We were all made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. You know, there are a lot of things that oneness brings, but one thing I see in these verses is that oneness brings a commonality to us. A commonality is a sense of being part of something bigger than our own lives. That we, our life is, is not just me and my goals and my success, but there's something bigger that I'm part of. That's part of the reason why people are so excited about K-State football and want the Wildcats to do good. There's a sense of like, yeah, I, I get a sense of like my life matters. 
because I'm part of something bigger, that this whole like, K-State nation, and you know, we're accomplishing great things. And, you know, that's, there's something in the human heart about that. Um, later in verse, verse 21, we read, it says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. You know, the second thing I see that, that oneness brings into our life is that oneness brings an interdependence that maybe we don't want because we tend to be independent, but God made us to be interdependent with one another. Now, interdependence does not mean codependent. Codependent means like you're sucking the life out of another person, and every time they come around, you come around them, they're kind of like, oh no, there's that person again. They're, they're a drain. But interdependence is a healthy realization that God made us in such a way, like the parts of the body, the hand and the, the foot and the, the eyes, that they can't function by themselves. But it's as they come together as a body that they can be healthy and live out what they were meant to live. This week at, at Oregon Trail, at our community group, Elaine Wisdom came back from a, being in India for a couple weeks on this missions trip. And she, it was just such an encouraging time. First of all, we had some, some time that we worshiped God with a couple of songs. Fernando and Domers led us in some worship. And it was just so encouraging and rich. And then Elaine shared about her time in India. And it was just... I was just struck by, she, she talked about going and the sights and the sounds and the smells and seeing the needs of, of that country and the poverty and people's life being cheap and the, the untouchables, who were the, the people that, she, the, the Christians that she was partnering with were ministering to the untouchables that were just kind of discarded by society and seeing people that were, that were coming to faith and being forgiven and finding life but in the middle of, of all this need and she described it, and it was, it was so powerful. And then she tied it into, and okay, but man, what is God speaking to me, and what do we need to apply to, to our life and to the U.S. and seeing the needs around us and the people here? And I was just struck by, I couldn't have gotten that any other way than by a living person living out their walk with God and then ministering that to, to me and to others. And there's something that was imparted into me that there's no other way. You can't get that on the internet. You can't get that from, it's just a person. And that we need other people to get what God wants us to get. There's an interdependence of, to, to experience that fully. Um, in verse 24, it says, which are a more presentable parts. We'll start there. And those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. Another thing that we get through our oneness with others is, is honor. You know, every person was made in, in the image of God, made in an incredibly honored, honorable way. And it's a joy to see that in other people and to to honor them for who they are. And that's not a pride thing or an ego thing, but that's just, it's recognizing the gift that God has given us in other people. Um, 
Yeah, we as we and we we were made for that, and it's we got to come into the body to to experience that. And then verse verse twenty six it says, um, "But God, verse getting this mixed up. Yeah, that there may may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together." Now you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. And it talks about the care for one another. And this is the aspect of, of compassion. There's something about, if it's just me and my life and me and Jesus, that only goes so far. But we were made to, to have compassion for others, and to receive compassion from other people. And it's through this, this oneness, it's through coming into a family, coming into real relationships with other people, that we extend the compassion that we were made to extend, and we receive the compassion that God needs for us. Um, I want to jump back to, to John 17. And back to Jesus' prayer. And he, he says this in verse 20. He says, I don't ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Let's read that once more. This, this is just so packed with, with goodness. I do not ask for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. So This is for us. This is for everyone throughout history who is going to believe in Jesus. He's praying for us that, that we would be one. Just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. You know, the challenge of, of relationships is that we, we try to make it work, and there are so many tensions and difficulties and hurt feelings and stuff that happens along the way, misunderstandings. And... So often, when we try to fix it, what happens? It gets worse. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Voice of experience right there. <laughs> it gets worse. <laughs> okay, I'll try to work. And then, like, the more you get in there and try to work things out, it's just like, it seems like you're digging the hole deeper and deeper. And it can be so frustrating. You, you see why people, like, opt for lives of independence. Because it just seems easier in some ways. But... The, and, and really, our, our culture says, well, really it has substituted oneness with this new virtue of tolerance. And tolerance is it's kind of, it's, it has similarities to the oneness that God made us for. But it's, a, it's really a, a cheap knockoff of the full experience that God wants us. Tolerance says, hey, we're not going to judge anybody. We're going to accept everybody. And... Whatever you, whoever you are, whatever you believe, we want tolerance. And, you know, that is good and true. I'm, I'm not advocating not tolerating anybody. But tolerance, I mean, who wants to be tolerated, really? I mean, you know, who, you know, who stands at their wedding day and exchanges vows and says, I promise to tolerate you for the rest of my life. You know, it doesn't really inspire your... Your heart very much. But that's, that's the best we can do apart from God. But 
Jesus gives us a secret right here because He says, may they be one, just as You, Father, are in Me, and I'm in You, that they also may be in us. It's as we are connected with God, as we draw closer to God, out of that, we're able to have the kind of oneness that we were made for. Now, we often use this illustration because it's a good one. I think John told this like three weeks ago. But it's like a triangle. It's like if you're here and the other person's here, you try to get closer to each other, it's like there's that like sound barrier in between you. Like It can seem so hard. But Jesus is here. God is here. And as we are moving closer to God, we're also becoming closer to one another. As we are in the process of coming to know Him and being transformed by Him and becoming who He made us to be and knowing Him well, out of that we experience the oneness that God has for us in our relationships with others. And we, we, try, to, we try to shortcut that, but it just, it just doesn't work. And oneness with others comes through oneness with God. It's as we know God and are known by Him, we become one with God. We can become one with one another. I think about the body. And I've been uh, learning some new things about the body in the last year through some health challenges that our family's gone through. And one thing I've, I've learned a little bit about the nervous system, and it's amazing if you think about any part of your body, think of a part in your mind. It's connected to the head through the nervous system. And the Bible says that Jesus is the head of the body. And we're members of the body. And It's not like, hey, you know, Susie's the neck and she's really close to Jesus. But Fred's the toe, the toenail. If it's Fred, it's probably a nasty toenail, too. <laughs> and he's not, he's, far, he's not connected to Jesus, right? But no, he is. Because that nervousness, there's this direct signal from that. So you stub that toenail, man, the head knows it immediately. You know, every part of you is connected to the head. And that's how the body works. Like every one of us, it's not like we can't over-rely on other people. Because it's all ultimately dependent upon our personal relationship with God. That we are drawing life from Him and getting to know Him and drawing life from His Word through, through the, the spiritual nervous system. Uh, but then there are people, there are body parts around you that are pretty important to you. You know, if you're a toenail, then the toe is pretty important. All right? You've got no place to live, no place to protect. And every, every member, there are certain other members that are in close proximity to you, and those relationships are especially important as well. And that's the kind of oneness, that we need to be connected to the body, but out of that then we can have a, a healthy oneness with, with the other parts next to us. And, you know, what's, uh, this last statement here is just really amazing to me. And Jesus says, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. He says, hey, if this, when this happens, that is going to be evidence to the world that God is real. You know, there is a people that live in oneness and unity there must be a God. That, that doesn't happen any other way. And 
You know, all too often, again, the world's, world's critique on the church is, oh, you're so divided, there's so many factions, this and that. But at the same time, man, I believe the churches live this out better, way better than any other group of people in history. And that is who, that's who God's called us to be. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting how even in, in people's individual lives, and many of us, would this will be our testimony, that to, before you, you must first belong before you can believe. That as people are progressing towards God and, or, you know, the whole, is God real? Usually the, the thing, many times people experience the reality of God in community. And that's what helps them experience who God really is and know who he is, more than just sitting on a mountain and praying some prayers or something. It's belonging to a group of people that are living this out, being part of the body of Christ, being around the body of Christ. That shows, oh, man, there's something real here. There's, there's joy here. There's, there's life here. There's something beyond the, the pressures of life. And that's, that's how it gets the evidence of the world that, that God is real. All right, I want to just give us a couple of next steps. This is all like, you know, high, nice ideals. Okay, let's be one. And love Jesus. And be one. That's, that's good. And that's, that's really all we've got to know. But I want to give you a couple of practical next steps. First of all, as, you know, this, is all, this is based on the theme of prayer, is you know, we pray. It's, ultimately, this is about Jesus doing this in our lives. It's about God doing this in our lives. And so I want to encourage us to pray and say, God, man, I want to come into this more. I want to come into greater oneness in my relationships. And, Lord, I, I, there are things that are keeping me from doing that more fully. So, God, would you help me? Would you help me connect with you and connect with others and experience that oneness that you have for me? And, you know, that's, that's what God will do as we come to him. And then the second step is to invest in our relationships with God and with other believers. There's, there's always a, a part that God does, and then there's a part that we do. And that's what this investment is all about. And investing is, if you invest, what are you doing? You're giving something valuable. You're putting it somewhere else in the hope that something even more valuable is going to come back, right? And so when you invest in your relationships, you're giving something valuable to you. Not, but there's a hope that, hey, as I do that, there's going to be even more that comes back to me in return. And the things that we invest, are, our time is a big thing. Uh, another thing I really think is, is opening up, being vulnerable, Letting people know our weaknesses and, and all that. You know, that's, that's an investment. That's taking something that is valuable and saying, okay, I'm going to put this out there. And I'm going to invest this with the hope that something good comes from me opening up, up in this way. You know, the time is, you know, there's some, as, as a church, I, I want to encourage us if, to really see if, if you're in a community group to see that as important. And that's a way that, on a weekly basis, we say, you know, this isn't the end-all, be-all, but this is a regular time of, of coming together and prioritizing and valuing relationships with other people and, and growing in those relationships and investing my time and investing, investing my life. Um, a couple things. Rob's going to talk a little bit about Men's Encounter and Restore. These are some chances where we have to, to give of our time 
and to, to trust God to do something in our relationships with Him and with others. And, but, it, but I want to really encourage, I think this is really where the rubber meets the road, is I wanted to encourage you this week to have a conversation with somebody, at least one person, and if you're married, it could be your spouse, but I'd say it'd be great if it was also someone besides your spouse. If it was someone same gender that you talked to this week, and you, and it included these two things. It included, first of all, saying, hey, I just, I want you to know this is an area, this is something that's troubling me right now. This is something going on in my life that is troubling me. This is something where I need help. And would you, man, pray with me? Would you stand with me? Would you believe God with me to be part of this thing that I'm going through? And then the second thing, get one last swig of water. The second thing, and this is even a little more vulnerable, is to ask them, hey, would you tell me what it is in me that keeps me from having greater oneness in my relationships? with other people? You know, I mean, think about this. I mean, let's be real here. You think of another person, it probably isn't too hard to think of the stuff in them (laughs) that keeps them from having greater oneness in their relationships. And that's really because of the whole interdependence thing. That God has made us in such a way that other people see stuff in our life that we don't see very well. And it's not so we can, like, think bad about people and be mad at them and gossip about them. But it's because we need one another. And so if I would encourage you to find at least a, a person. If you want to do more, that would be awesome. Say, hey, I, this is what's going on in my life. And I know it's kind of like getting naked. I mean, there's a, it's, it's, like, very vulnerable. There's a reason why in, in marriage, I mean, the greatest, like, intimacy, there's nakedness involved. Because it's like, oh my goodness, here here I am, like, you know, there's, yeah, I went there, I did. I wasn't sure if I was going to go there, but I did. But there's, like, that's how God, there's there's an, an emotional oneness of, like, hey, I'm not hiding anything. This is who I am, and I'm going to trust you, and be open, and and not hide that. Now, don't get weird on that, all right? No, no same gender, you know, application at this point or anything, you know. Emotionally, but it's, there's a vulnerability. There's a, like, hey, I, I trust you. I know you care about me. Would you tell me, what, what are the things that I do? What are the things about me that make it hard to go further in, in being one with people? All right, everybody follow that? Now, whether you do it or not, it's on you, but I, I hope you got the point, clearly. Um, yeah, you know, I just want to end with this, that... <laughs> Sorry, Rob distracted me there. Um, the reason that this is possible is because God has made it possible. Jesus prayed this prayer because that's what he had for us. And Jesus' prayers are, are really effective. And as we look to him, again, the thing that we most want, it's what he has for us. And I, but I do, I, I really want to encourage us today to, 
to take this one. Hey, do I want just the same level of oneness that I'm experiencing? Am I good there? Or do I want to take it to the next step? And, you know, if I do, am I willing to take those steps that will, will help me get there? All right, I think that what Rob was telling me is we got one more song. All right, good. See, man, we, we got a good connection going. Man, there's, there's been a lot of vulnerability and pain behind that, that kind of good oneness, yes. Brought that about. So, uh, worship team, you can go ahead and come on up here. And the rest of you can stand up. And well, let's uh, just as we as we worship, be trusting God to continue to bring us into what He has for us.